0: we oh. And hello again, everyone. Welcome back to One Patriot Place on here here on WBLZ Sports. You can also find our podcast on the fullpresscoverage.com website. You're on the air with Stephen Murph. We have a great guest lined up for you. Joining us momentarily will be Evan Lazar from CLNS Media. I also have a recording that I'll post on later. With Jay Flanley, also known as Beavs World, Tom Brady's good friend from Back in his Michigan days, and he's still a very very close friend of tom's and he had some interesting things to say and uh you know as he always does if any of you have ever listened to jay's podcast, Jay is never one to mince words and uh
1: Mm-mm.
0: so you know uh that that'll be interesting, but I can't wait to hear what Evan has to say because uh I know. it's been a busy few days for the uh for the Patriots, I was going to say coming and going, but mostly going. <laughs> so what's going on, Murph? <laughs> Not much. Quiet around here. It's always you know, quiet around here.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, just quiet. The, the only thing that I'm, I'm doing right now is is keep sending letters to the governor to open up fishing season sooner. So uh, <laughs> I can get out on the water with Charlie Moore and, uh, and do a show. From oh, man. Uh, that, you know we'll, I we'll be
0: on separate books. Yeah. I don't even fish anymore, but I, I would I would pay to go fishing with Charlie Moore. No sweat. I love his show. How much, I love Charlie Moore. How much Moore's would you
1: show. boom up? How much would you boom up to go fishing <laughs> with Charlie Moore? There, there's a freaking there, wow. You know, I love Charlie. No yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, want to ask uh, you a question. Mm-hmm. Would you would you give up? Would would you trade Julian Edelman right now for third round pick? Because that's that's what's floating around out there.
0: Julian Edelman to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the third yep. pick. <laughs> oh my! we yes, uh, yes. The mass exodus of uh, veterans has begun in New England. Yeah, and uh, and folks. Welcome back to the pack. That's all I can say. Tom, Tom Brady's gone. Yep, The Patriots are no longer one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. They're not even a favorite in my book to win the division next year. No. Uh, they're now in the mode that everybody else has been in for the past 27 years because there's a question, who's going to be the franchise quarterback? The Patriots yep. haven't, it, the Miami, haven't it. Where with We're the Miami
1: fucking Dolphins, man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. The Buffalo Bills. Miami, Jim Kelly. This is me. Right. This is me- – yeah, uh, it's unreal. It's unreal. You know, you look around this league and, and just in this division and what teams have done to try to find a franchise quarterback over the last 20 years. Just somebody that will continuously put you in a playoff picture.
0: I mean, it's been. the the Patriots haven't had a deal with this since 1993 because they in 1993 they drafted Drew Bledsoe and we knew. No, on, no, no, I no. mean, yeah, but but you knew on day one, Drew Bledsoe was the he was the quarterback moving forward. Yep, and there was never a doubt of that. Every year it was going to be Drew, and they were going to roll with Drew. That was their guy, yep. and you know. The Patriots have, haven't have had a deal with that since 1992, basically. Yep. And, you know, this again, I mean, fans have never had it 30 deal. years. Fans haven't had to deal with this. And now, welcome to reality. The reality is going to set in because I'm here, I'm here to tell you, you know, now they're going to have to claw and scratch and fight to get a wild card. Um, Oh man! If we're lucky, that's the way. it's lucky, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And you thank know, God for that no... second wild card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah, that... doesn't make it to the playoffs even with expanded fucking basic cable.
0: <laughs> well, it'll be funny if if the Patriots are that seventh uh, um, playoff team next year. <laughs> Right. I honestly think in, in, in the interview I did with Jay, we were talking about because he asked me who do, who did I think was going to win the division. And I said, I think Buffalo is because their defense is going to keep yep. them in every game, and they, they have an outstanding defense. And they just added a big piece on offense with Stefan Diggs. I think they're going to be better next year. He thinks Miami might vault over them and take the uh, the division crown, but we both said – the patriots will be fighting between second and third and that's the reality and they're right back to the pack it's
1: been a long fucking time man it, it's been a long time 2008 since the patriots have, have finished second in the S isn't it yeah 2008 yeah, yeah I, I don't even fucking know it's been it's just a blur It's just a blur but i on the on the flip side man we we have been uh, privileged enough to be a part of the uh the the greatest run in the history of sports and i for one enjoy it i'm going to sit back and did uh, there was a point in time in 2001 when i woke up and i said you know if i just get one super bowl victory i'll die happy and i got six and i went to nine with uh with tom and a lot of the, it, it's it got six and um so thank you, T. Thank you for everything you did here. Um, I'm sorry it ended this way. It should not have. There was no reason for it. And uh if anybody wanted to hear me really vent, they could go over and see our good friend Mike Diabate, whose <laughs> show I was on yesterday. <laughs>
0: Mike, I can I, only, on- I haven't listened to that yet. I, I saw that, but when uh, you know when you said you went full blown Murph, I that's why mm-hmm. I hadn't even listened to it, but I sent you the message uh Order the decaf, my friend. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, no, no, no. It was a little bit too late for that. And you
1: know, you know so he, for, stupidly, I gave up booze for Lent this year. Uh, that's that. You picked the wrong fucking year to quit sniffing glue. But
0: um, <laughs> uh, you know, um, honestly, and, uh, I mean, we we knew that it, it was inevitable. I mean, uh, let's face it. I mean, Tom wasn't going to play forever. We knew it was going to come. It ended. No, too yeah,
1: soon. no, 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 no. We did one, yeah. two more years, and that was it. And and yeah, I wouldn't have I mean, a problem if there was a plan, if there was a backup plan, if there was something going on. But I'm still not on well, on the study. Yeah, am I mean, that's the
0: thing. It's like um, I just think when you look at the big picture of things, um, if they had a plan in place and you thought they had a better option to go to, then you don't have a problem with it. I don't think that's the case. So nope. you know, that's just my two cents. And what the hell do I know anyway? So with that <laughs> what in <do> know? <laughs> with, with with that two cents in, let's bring on our guest who actually knows something about football and we're gonna talk to him. Evan Lazar, welcome <laughs> back. <laughs> Evan writes for CLNS, as we mentioned at the outset of the show. He's one of the really, really good beat writers for the for the Patriots. And you know, he's gonna Hopefully, bring some sense into this that Murph and I have none. So, Evan, welcome back. How you guys doing?
2: You guys don't give yourself enough credit. This is a great show. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, okay.
0: that we'll take you odds on that, but thank you. For that. <laughs> I will.
1: I will accept. I will accept all praise given because you know I, I you am would. the most humble. I am the most humble man in Patriots Nation. We all know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Right, ah. right beside Antonio Brown. Yep, that's it, man. <laughs> me and Antonio Brown, two most humble people on the planet.
2: And, um, you know, we're just holding it all up. Easy, how they treating you, bud? Treating me well. Everybody healthy on your guys' end. I know this is uh, this is crazy right
1: now. At the moment. Well, it's Steve, funny because Steve had you know, his, his own,
0: own personal. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. <laughs> with, with, the, uh, with the warmer weather we've actually had this winter, my – seasonal allergies have actually kicked in a little early so if you go to the store and you sneeze everyone runs right
2: i i have the same issue it's funny that you brought that up i i was freaking out a couple of days ago i thought that i had the virus and it just turns oh out that i just have like a little bit of maybe yep. allergies or a cold going Claritin,
1: on. you know and and yep i did that's it
0: claritin killed yeah. it. You, you know. go in the store and you sneeze or whatever, and and people start running from you like you have the plague. I know. You know. Well, my my
1: daughter, my daughter has Lyme. She got Lyme a few years back. Oh man! <laughs> you know, she's like, Oh, just fucking perfect. I'm gonna end up with Corona, and I'll have Corona and Lyme.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a classic Murph joke, right there. And I know.
1: And I'm like, oh, my poor baby, my poor baby. <laughs> but yeah. Evan tell me um you know I mean there there's not a lot to talk about today you know and I appreciate <laughs> you coming on at this the deadest time of the year Enough. but um I am going to ask you what I asked Steve at, at the the onset um is Devin McCourty still on this team if Tom had
2: made this announcement a day earlier a good question I think a lot of people are kind of scratching their heads a little bit as to why the Patriots tagged Joe Tooney and why they paid Devin what they paid him to be really what's going to be on Bill Belichick's version of a rebuild I don't know if we can call it a full-on rebuild when you have the greatest coach of all time leading the charge but it's certainly a as much of a rebuild as we've seen in the last 20 years around here so it's an interesting question I think that he probably is the reason being is that you do need to keep some semblance of veteran leadership and veteran presence on this team to usher in the next era and also just educate the younger players on how we, the Patriots do things and how the Patriot way and how things go and, and work around here. So I think that it's good that he's on the team with Slater and with some of the other veterans that are going to stick around. But at the same time, you know, I was, I was talking to our friend Alex Barth about this earlier you look around the locker room and you got Devin and you got Stefan Gilmore and you got Dante Hightower and you got Julian Edelman all still in that locker room. And I got to think that they're looking at each other, like what the hell are we still doing here? You know? And uh, and that's going to be something that next year, as soon as we get into the locker room and we start talking to some of these guys again, gauging the interest of actually being on this team post Tom Brady is going to be very interesting.
1: It is. They're good. You know, this, this, community is going to find out in short order if they're not already realizing it with the departure of Nate Evner, Um that, uh, that people did, did not really come here
2: to play for Bill. People came here to play with Tom. Do you agree with that? I think they came here to play with Tom, but at the same time, I think that they came here to win rings. And yep. even though they might not necessarily love Bill's style or, or have a lot of love in their heart for Bill Belichick. That they know that Bill Belichick is going to get them to that point, right? They're going to get a chance to compete in the playoffs and for Super Bowls and things of that nature. So I think that they came to play with Tom, maybe, but they definitely came to play for Bill. And that's going to be something that they're still going to have that feather in their cap moving forward. But really, I think players more than fans in a lot of ways look at this objectively and look at the roster construction and really keep in mind the fact that even if Brady came back, especially on the offensive side of the ball, the team still had a ton of holes to fill and a ton of upgrades needed in certain positions, tight end, wide receiver, obviously being the big ones that those holes still all exist and they don't have a quarterback and their quarterback isn't going to be close to the greatest quarterback of all time a year from now, or, you know, a couple of months from now. So it, it's untrying times. It is definitely – it's uncertain times. And I said that yesterday on Twitter, and I got killed for it a little bit for saying it's uncertain times. But I don't know what other definition to use at this point.
0: That That's a great point, You know, Evan. I mean, you, you look at it. I mean, Murph and I were talking about that just before you came on. I mean, the Patriots haven't had that uncertain quarterback since the early 90s. And uh, you know that that's something other teams have had to deal with, and they haven't. Now you're in that boat. And do you think that it, this whole Brady thing might have played out different? You you look at what the Texans got for DeAndre Hopkins, which I thought was really not nearly enough. Anything? The,
1: anything? Yeah. Anything? It, Bill O'Brien the, should be
0: the, shot. If the if the Patriots – well, I'm trying to be politically correct here. But if the Patriots yeah. had made a, a move for DeAndre Hopkins, do you think that might have had uh, an influence on the Brady decision one way or the other, or do you think he was just gone?
2: Certainly would have had an influence. And I also reported this the other day that Brady had – points of this offseason was very much open to coming back to the Patriots. This was not a the door is shut type of situation for him. Now, two months ago, everybody that you spoke to around the league said that he's gone, right? That That's when those reports first started surfacing from Schefter or from Jeff Darlington and the, and the big guys, big J guys, saying that he's not coming back. It's already a done deal. Then there was a point, I would say, in early March, right before that infamous phone call where everybody you know, reported that it didn't go well, where Brady was open to coming back. But the issue wasn't necessarily about trading for DeAndre Hopkins or Stephon Diggs. I don't think that those singular movements would have made that much of a difference. But it was more so just the fact that he felt in the negotiation, he felt disrespected by Bill Belichick. Not that Bill Belichick doesn't respect Tom Brady as a person and as a human being, He felt like he was slighted in that negotiation for two reasons. One, he felt like he was being treated like every other player. And I'm sure that in that moment, he looked at himself and he was like, this is exactly how Richard Seymour and Lauren Malloy and Ty Law and Logan Mankins and Dion Bridge, this is exactly how they must have all felt when the end was coming, right? And he felt like he deserved, after 20 years, six Super Bowl titles, he deserved to be treated differently than those types of players. Great players, obviously, in the Hall of Fame. Richard Seymour will be in the Hall of Fame at some point. But they're not Tom Brady. And Tom Brady felt like he deserved that kind of respect and that kind of just attention from Bill Belichick. And what he got was a coach that was drawing a hard line, Playing it all business and being classic Belichick in the negotiation, and he just felt like they had a relationship that went beyond just football and and numbers on a on a spreadsheet in the cap situation and stuff like that and then the other thing is is that the offer that the Patriots offered him was nowhere near his asking price which we found out recently is about two years $60 million the Patriots are at about one year $23 million with an incentives package so they were nowhere close on the contract they were nowhere close in terms of the relationship between the two pillars Belichick and Brady and Bob Kraft was not willing to step in and go above Belichick to get the deal done the way that Brady wanted it done. so there's a little bit of Tom's to blame a little bit mm. to Belichick to blame. I don't think that Belichick is or Brady is free of blame to be honest with you because listen you want to give away what you built over the last 20 years to go be a Tampa Bay Buck that's that's how you want this thing to end. I think that there has to be some sort of set not necessarily blame but just some sort of semblance of realism that Brady wanted to leave that Brady decided that he wanted to leave, but Belichick certainly was pushing him out the door at the same time.
0: Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that because, uh, I spoke with a, a good friend of Tom's this morning and, um, he was basically s- telling me the same thing that last year there was a, you know, we had heard rumors last year, this, around this time that there was a offer on the table for, you know, three years, 90 million bucks. And, uh, that they pulled it back and when they pulled it back and then went to the one year that Tom w- was pretty much upset and that's when he put his house on the market because he kind of saw the handwriting on the wall but you know it's it's really it's it's I mean we knew it was going to end it was inevitable but it just seems like it got ended a
2: little too soon for everyone's liking It was too, it got too personal is what ended up happening. And two guys that were able to put their differences aside and put the personal stuff aside for a really long time, for two decades, finally that came to a head where they realized that their partnership and their relationship had deteriorated to the point where it had run its course. And this is much more, that's why I wanted to make that point. When you asked me about DeAndre Hopkins is that, This is much more about human relationships than it is about money or weapons or acquiring weapons or whatever the case may be. This is a lot more just about this relationship running its course and this being the end. And Brady wanting to have some semblance of control as to how his career ends here so that he's not just a lame duck piece going year to year on Belichick's schedule.
1: Right, exactly. That's that's exactly my point. Um, this was, was not about money. He, he's taking $30 million a year to go play somewhere else in Tampa Bay. I still do not think it would have taken $30 million a year it, it, here. That, that's not what Tom was looking for. He was looking for a semblance of, like you said, control and, and a, a commitment to him to get him to his goal of playing until he's 45. And um, and he, he was just, I mean, I, I think, I, I want to ask you, do you think we should have read more into uh, what Gronk had to say walking out the door last year about how it just was not fun after all these years and after everything he's been through and everything he's given up for this franchise and, and for the game of football
2: to Looking come back, back on it, and do
1: that for another year?
2: Looking back on it, it's definitely a good point, right? Because Gronk, his final year in 2018, Brady, his final year in 2019, their moods and the way that they carried themselves, even just walking through the locker room and just seeing them and observing them as people, it was similar, right? It was subdued. It was unhappiness it was crankiness it was short with the media and not not that that's you know not a detriment to them it just was clear that they weren't enjoying it the way that they normally enjoy it now with Gronk it obviously ended in a fairy tale and they won the Super Bowl and he has basically the game-winning catch or the biggest play in the game and and he goes off into the the NFL Hall of Fame on that note unfortunately for Brady it's going to end with him down there with the freaking uh pirate ship in the end zone oh instead of him God. here in new england but at the same time i i think that they do mirror each other a lot in the respect of both of them got to a point where they were extremely unhappy with both their performance and with the way that the organization was treating them. And there was not necessarily a a solution. There was no obvious route of fixing that type of problem. Just Gronk decided to retire and Brady decided to go be a buck. That's really the only big difference in terms of how this thing is going to end.
1: Right. Let's just, let's just take it in, in a, in a different direction. Um, some of the guys that that are departing, I tweeted out the other day that that all of you mock drafters, people who mock the draft. Okay. I do not mock the draft. I don't do that. You don't make fun of the draft, people. But um, but the two people that I that I'm in the room with today, at a safe distance, enjoy mocking the draft, and I told them to remock things. Everybody to remock things up. And uh, with the the exit of Kyle Van and Jamie Collins. Um what did you what did you think of the deals that they signed? Um and, and the holes that are left here. Are there people to step in and do this and take care of uh business at the linebacker position?
2: Well it's gonna be different, right? Because I would assume, you know, Van Noy at this point, his role was on the line of scrimmage, right? He's playing ninety percent of yep. his snaps at the edge defender on the line whereas Collins was playing a little bit more off the ball, but both of them were playing on and off the ball at times. So Jawan Bentley is not an on-the-line-of-scrimmage linebacker, right? I don't think that they're going to no. be putting him too much at edge. He could probably play Sam, but he's not going to necessarily play too much edge tech, you know, as like an outside linebacker. So it's not exactly the same, but you look at it and you see Jamie and Kyle signed two contracts, that equal $81 million in total value, right. the Patriots sit there and do their typical Patriots thing where they let everybody else overpay their players. They get the comp mm-hmm. picks back for them in 2021. They'll get two fourth rounders for Collins and Van Noy. And then they have Jawan Bentley and Chase Winovich already in the system, already grooming them to be, have bigger roles now granted their roles for Winovich and Bentley are going to look a lot different than the roles for Kyle and and Collins did because Winovich is not as big of a player as Van Noy he's much more of a more like a pass rush specialist at this point of his career and not necessarily that stout two-way type of player and Bentley certainly does not have the athleticism that Jamie Collins has so they're different but that's obviously how bill bill Belichick runs it is that he'll adjust the scheme for those differences so he'll make sure that Bentley is not asked to do all the type of rangy sideline to sideline stuff that Collins was asked to do and he's played more in a phone booth and more straight you know up and down north south versus moving east to west and with Winovich you maybe you put him in some different packages that are Kyle Van Noy like but they're not necessarily him doing exactly the same things that Van Noy was doing so I think that those two players are waiting in the wings and are sort of getting trained to be those next guys certainly Mm Benley is is the and Landon Roberts replacement they don't need an Landon Roberts replacement they need depth but they don't need to replace that spot because Benley will step in as the Mike linebacker week one in September and I don't think that that's going to be a problem But at the same time, this is business as usual, I think, really, for the Patriots. You let everybody else overpay your guys. You take the comp picks back, and you replenish through the draft, and and you just rebuild the whole thing, and you circle through it. The issue is now is that they were allowed to do that on the fly because they had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and now they only have one half of that. So that's going to be the interesting point.
1: Does Jamie Collins owe um, Bill Belichick a new boat the next time he's out shopping for one?
2: I mean, he owes he owes Bill Belichick a new yacht, not just a boat. Mm. He he owes that guy a yacht because he signed that. I mean, my God, Cleveland and now this time around with Detroit, both huge contracts were a result of him playing really well in New England.
1: Mm Hmm. And we'll see if he can keep that up in Detroit. I'm sorry, Steve. I
2: had to throw that.
0: That's okay. That's uh, you know, I, I. I said about two weeks ago, I, I thought they were going to go defense, either a linebacker or a defensive lineman early in the draft. And it hasn't changed my mind yet. So I, I we'll see what happens. But a lot of things can, you know, fall between now and then. Yeah, uh, Evan, you know, moving forward, one of the other things um, I thought was a little interesting was that Joe Tooney, all right, they, they franchised him. He already signed his uh, his uh, his tag there, and uh, you know he signed his. You know he he's he's good to go for fourteen and a half million bucks. So yeah, I mean that protects himself. <laughs> you, I mean it does because the Patriots could have pulled it back. I mean yeah, but uh, do you think they're going to move forward? I think they're going to move forward and try to work out a long-term thing with him. Or do you think there's still a, an Slim chance that they trade him now.
2: I think there's always a chance that they trade him. That deadline is, I think, July 15th in in about the middle Mm -hmm. of the summer to get an extension done before he has to just play on the tag. So they have some time, and it's not exactly, you know, the draft's only a month away. But I I think at the same time, you look at it, and if you start to approach that deadline without an extension, then the tag-and-trade scenario, I think, really starts to open up that opportunity. So I think that if the immediate kind of intention is to sign him to a long term extension. But if we start to get to that date in July and there's no extension done, that's certainly going to change the way that they're going to approach it. But at the same time, he's such a patriot type player that after they right. tagged when they tagged him, the initial reaction for me was shock. As much as, as, as a lot of people, I think, were pretty surprised to see that news. But then when you start to really peel it back. He's consistent, he's durable, he's dependable, he never gets beat, he's an excellent never. player on the field, he's an excellent teammate off the field. I don't know if you guys heard this story, but he actually purposely threw the Wonderlick test because he didn't want to look too smart <laughs> to teams. Yes, Because that was something that his agent or his, or his consultant yeah. that he was working with through the draft said that <laughs> it was a bad idea him to score 50 out of 50 on the wonderlick because teams would think that he was too <laughs> smart or too nerdy or whatever so he answered only 40 questions for the wonderlick no, no one wants all, no one wants to date the smart girl right and he got all 40 questions right and then he left the last 10 questions blank and just passed in the test so <laughs> we're, we're talking about a guy that is a, a a genius in a lot of ways you guys are brilliant. really smart 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 kid And he's extremely good at football. So when you start to look at all the boxes that he checks from a Patriots perspective, he's the type of guy that you want to build your franchise around, right? He's the type of guy you want on that offensive line, protecting the next quarterback for the four next four or five years. I mean, the guy's only given up one sack in two seasons going up against some of the better interior rushers in the league in that span. So there's certainly a lot to love about Joe Tooney. I would love for him to stay long-term and I think that as soon as that news came down that they paid Devin and they tagged Joe Tooney, we probably should have started reading the tea leaves then that Brady wasn't necessarily coming back.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I read the other side of those leaves and it, it just it it felt to me like, well, they're they're gonna gear up for one more season and um or two more seasons and see what happens there. And uh but no, I was I was completely wrong. Sorry, Steve, go ahead.
0: No, uh, and uh, the other thing uh, on the offensive line, were you a little surprised that the Patriots offered more money and a and a, a two year deal to uh, Ted Karras, and he ended up, you know, bank uh, betting on himself and going one year
2: down to Miami. This was a really fascinating kind of sneaky storyline of this free agency because Ted Karras is not Tom Brady. Spoiler. So he's not exactly the yeah. biggest name on the free agent market, right? So it does it kind of gets swept under the rug. But Ted Karras decided to bet on himself, just like you said, and take less. The Patriots' offer was two years around the same exact money average per year as the Dolphins. So let's just call it two years, eight million for argument's sake. But it was less mm-hmm. money guaranteed up front in 2020. So he's going to see less money. in the 2019 season unless he saw the total value of what he was going to be able to earn through incentives and stuff like that and roster bonuses and you know how the Patriots structure contracts so that was the difference was that the, the Dolphins were willing to give him more money up front than the Patriots were and that ended up being a big difference the other thing was certainly Ted Karras the uncertainty that of the offensive line coach and just the uncertainty of his role on the offensive line starter versus backup depending on what david andrews was going to do that it wasn't a paid to a role and that was what i tweeted out yesterday the uncertainty that was the uncertainty was there's no more there's no more quarterback there's no more brady there's no more scar and andrews is coming back and he doesn't know if he has a starting job or if he's going to be the sixth guy Bingo. right so there's a lot of uncertainty from Ted Karras' perspective of what exactly the situation in New England was going to be. So he bets on himself in Miami. He's going to get a chance to start down there. No promises, obviously, from Brian Flores, but just looking at their depth chart, he's going to get a very, very good chance to start down there. And then next year when that new TV deal hits with this new collective bargaining agreement, he'll hit the open market again with two years of starter tape on his on his resume and hopefully two solid years like he was solid here in New England this past season. And hopefully he puts together another good year in Miami. And then he can kind of reset his market a little bit. But it was very interesting to hear from my source that he just wasn't a hundred percent sure that he was sold on the direction of the offensive line and the direction of the team and where he was exactly going to fit in there. And that uncertainty right. led him to want to go elsewhere. And no state
0: tax. Um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah no state that, tax. that
1: doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt, man. Not paying the taxes up here. We don't call it Texas for nothing people. Um, but let me, let me ask you this. Does Bill Parcells have a, have a book out there on, on how to, poach uh players and and did flow and uh and matt patricia read that and put it to to memory because it just seems like you know we're right now that's that's what's happening
2: yeah it's it's funny too because a lot of the players that players that went certain directions you can tell they went to their guys right like they went Like Ebner goes to Joe Judge or Kyle Noy goes to Flores, who coached him at linebacker when he first got here. And it, it, yep. you, just, you look at it and you say, OK, those are the, the guys that they were comfortable with from the get go. A lot of people talk about Belichick, obviously, but these assistant coaches the Patriots have had here over the last 20 years is unprecedented. It truly is unprecedented how good the assistants have been in New England. So that's something I think a lot of people take for granted. I mean, they have a head coach coaching the offense in Josh McDaniels. You know, he should be a head coach somewhere else, but he's here coaching the offense. They have guys like Brian Flores and Matt Patricia and uh, go right on down the list. Dante, obviously, Ivan Even O'Brien.
1: who's who's just brain dead. I just, I, Oh my God. Yeah. I I can't, I get just too much autonomy for, for O'Brien down there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No,
2: I I understand. (laughs) It's, there's a lot of really good successful coaches to come through new England. Those guys have obviously moved on to being head coaches, and it's no surprise whatsoever to watch some of these players follow them to these next stops because you can just, you just know that those guys were close to those coaches when they were here. And that's why they feel that comfortability and they have a good relationship with those guys. And that's why they're able to kind of go down there and, and feel good about where they're going to go.
1: Really? Really? Um, Landon Roberts is a big
2: one, honestly, not to cut cut you guys off, but Alandon Roberts had an extremely close relationship with Brian Flores. So as soon as I saw that the Dolphins signed him, I was like, that makes total sense. Because Brian Flores was a big reason why Alandon Roberts is still in the league.
1: Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. Oh, God, man, that's a great point. That's a great point. What he learned from Flo and and the trust that Flo showed him up here in fighting for him to keep him on this team that's his no guy. that didn't
2: shock yeah it, it really is it really is
1: i have i have no no doubt that the two of them talk every day on the phone that they they get together and, and go to each other's family barbecues and and are, are talking about you know marrying children to one another in the future let's talk about somebody that has no friends anywhere deron harman uh good. was traded to the
2: lions <laughs> good segue
1: would it um, yeah, thank you very much. Um, what, what did you think of the, the Harmon move? And, and could this be, you know, our our good friend, you know, Paul Perillo uh, mentioned that, you know, it could be a, a door opening for, for one Obi Malafani to, to come back and, and play a role here.
2: Well, I'll answer your first part of your question about Deron Harmon. I think the Deron Harmon trade, obviously, it was a cap maneuver, right? They wanted to save some money against the cap with Harmon. But you just look at this roster and, and Miguel Benz on Pat's cap, he threw out that number of 33 players making at least a million dollars on this team. Because a lot of people I know are scratching their heads right now like, where's all the cap space? Why this team? Where? Where? Who are they paying? It's, it's in the depth. And why, it's right? In the depth. Here, Exactly. It's all in the depth. So they spread it out across this 30 to 35 player range of yep. a bunch of veteran guys that are making at least a million dollars. And Deron Harmon was one of those guys that we have been writing for two training camps now as an expendable piece. But the problem right. was that the Patriots never drafted anybody to replace him. So they never drafted a free safety to that can play center field, that can do the things that Duran does to get his cap hit off the books and get a rookie contract in that place. So this is what mm-hmm. teams do when they're in a little bit of a rebuild is you got to get younger and you got to get cheaper before you can really go out there and have a ton of cap space and make bigger moves to make your team better. So the Patriots dumping Duran Harmon was no surprise to me. That's a move to get cheaper, to get younger on that side of the ball. And if they draft a free safety in the third round and they replace hit Deron Harmon, exactly how Deron Harmon replaced the guy before him and so on and so forth, that's, again, just another kind of – belichick move and i think last year we talked about it all in training camp they kept all of the veterans on that roster they did not right. cut a single guy that was a, a guy that had some cured seasons and was a, a guy that had been around the block a couple of times they kept yep. all those guys and they didn't really turn the roster over and they didn't let those rookies other really than chase Winovich Take her on a bigger role, you know, and, right. and I think that now is a time when they really would hopefully. It was a red shirt everywhere. It was red shirt yep. everywhere, and they kept all the veterans, and he understood why. They had a forty-two year old quarterback. They had a win now, Super Bowl window of, of one or two years, and they needed to really take advantage and full advantage of that. And Duran played great last year. He was a good player for them he last did. year. There's no That's doubt true. about that. It's one of his better seasons. With that said, the Obi Melifano question. I just don't, they're (laughs) very different players. Right, I like I, 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 I don't know. think you want to put Obi Malafonimo in the deep third and try nope. to have him, him play robber and cover one or have him play deep center field and cover one and have him flip his hips and, and transition and open up his stride and go and chase a ball. That that doesn't seem like something that I want Obi Malafonimo to do. So as much as I think that there is going to be chances for Obi to show that he can cover tight ends, that he can play in the box, that he can play in the slot, that he can do the – Things that more or less that Patrick Chung does, just not as versatile and not as complete of a package as Patrick Chung has turned into. I agree with that type of role for Obi, but Deron Harmon's role—they need to draft a free safety. That Deron Harmon's a free right. safety. He comes in in diamond nickel packages to play deep, to play deep in the deep part of the field, and I just don't think that that's ever going to be something that Obi is going to do.
1: Right. Now, and, and folks, I just want to point out when I said somebody who has no friends Teron Harmon, what I was meaning was the fact that of what Evan just alluded to that, you know, we've been saying for the past two years that he's somebody that could be moved to, to create more cap space. Um, what, what do you think of uh, Jawan Williams and maybe sliding into that role?
2: Yeah, Juwan, I think is going to play a lot more next year. He should play a lot more next year. They are they yeah, they are convinced that he's an outside corner. I mm. I don't know okay. where where that necessarily why they're so stuck on that, but it's a lot it's similar to Isaiah Wynn's situation where you know with Wynn they want him to play left tackle, but if they have to move him inside, they're not completely against it. It's the same type of thing. They want Jawan Williams to play outside corner, but if they have to move him to safety, they're not completely against it. And that, that's, whenever a corner runs, I think Jawan ran in like the four sixes or something. It was not fast. Whenever a corner runs like that, you automatically say that guy's going to move to safety. Right, That that, that usually doesn't bode well for a corner staying there, but all last season during practice, he practiced at boundary corner, not at safety. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go moving forward, but he certainly should see a lot more snaps, And, and with him and J.C., those are kind of the future outside guys, I think, in their mind.
0: Hey Evan, uh let's let's flip the switch here and and just talk about some other teams. I mean we we uh we mentioned you know the Lions and the uh Dolphins have have pilfered the Patriots roster a little bit. Who do you think uh so far is having a really good offseason in the beginning of free agency
2: besides Tampa Bay I'm assuming?
0: besides yeah, <laughs> Tampa Bay getting the best quarterback in the NFL but yeah you know, hey. yeah
2: um, well, that's a good question. I, I think that there's a couple of teams that have done some sneaky good things that aren't necessarily out there being talked about, like the Denver Broncos maybe, or even the Chargers to agree. I know they don't have a quarterback, but they, they got in, uh, Chris Harrison there. They brought back Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler. They've had like a quietly good free agency and it almost actually their free agency almost swayed Brady to go there instead of Tampa. Those were the two last two teams were, were the Chargers and the Bucks, And I think Bruce Arians was the final kind of – he had the final sway of, of the sword to get Brady to come towards Tampa Bay versus uh, you know Anthony Lynn in, in L.A. So I would say that – listen, I think that Miami's had a great offseason. I, I know they've thrown a lot of money around, and that doesn't always work but they had a ton of cap space to do it. And you bring in Byron Jones to you know, pair him with Xavier Howard. You bring in Kyle Van Noy, who we know a thing or two about up here. Ted Karras, obviously we know a thing or two about him as well and you start to look at some of the things that Brian Flores is doing, especially on that defense, then I assume that on the offense side of the ball, all those draft picks that they have are going to go towards the offense. So I like what Miami's doing, but the team that I, I got to say, it, and I hate to say it because this we say this all the time about this team, and it never really seems to work out, but the Buffalo right. Bills, man, they <laughs> are building a monster. They have built right. a monster on paper. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to be uh, end up being what they want it to be. But that receiving core with John Brown and Stephon Diggs, that is a real deal. And Cole Beasley, too, that's the real deal. That's as good of a receiving core in the NFL. And you have an inaccurate quarterback. There's no better way to help an inaccurate quarterback out than get a couple of guys that create mountains of separation. So that that team – in my mind, right now, has to be the favorite to win the AFC East in Vegas. I would think.
0: Yeah, yeah well, oh, I, absolutely. I gave the move. Yeah,
1: I gave I gave the move a ten, a ten, a ten because you know Josh Allen will be throwing ten yards over people's heads, ten yards in front of their feet, and ten yards behind them all season long. <laughs> I still I I don't get it, folks. I just well, I just
0: don't see what anybody. I thought the Ravens had a sneaky good first Oh Yeah, there I mean, you yeah. go. Yeah. Calais Campbell for a fifth.
2: Yep. And then they, they, you know, they then, did the Belichick thing, right? Where they just got yeah. a bunch of players that were cast offs for nothing.
0: And then, you know, they they uh they traded basically their third tight end, Hayden Hurst, for with a fourth round compensatory pick, which is basically a fifth. And they get back a second and a fifth. So they spend like a fifth round draft pick. They switch fifth rounders with Atlanta and they get Calais Campbell for a fifth and they get a second with them. I thought that was a great move on their part.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. The, the Ravens are always a really good run. Well-run franchise. I would say and that
0: they picked the Brockers too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I would say that in terms of just, Managing their roster and managing the cap and doing all the different things of roster construction. The Ravens are the only team that I would say has rivaled the Patriots over the last 20 years in that respect. That is a really well run organization from top to bottom. Yep if there's if
1: there's any team in the in the NFL that has been, you know, cock-blocked by the Patriots over the years it's these guys. Um let, let let's flip it over to to the moronic side of of the ledger and what the Colts have done. <laughs> I don't get it. I just I oh my god.
2: Why why would they do this Evan? Why why are they doing these things? Honestly, I this is one of the most ridiculous things of the whole offseason is that the Colts <laughs> had all this cap space and all this promise as a roster, and they picked Phillip Rivers over Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't it, get it. it. It doesn't make sense. It defies logic. Are they afraid of rioting in the streets or something? You so, know, I, I think I, there I, is an element to that. You know, you go to Indianapolis for the combine every single year, and you get into an Uber, and you tell it, the Uber driver says, Oh, what brings you to Indianapolis? And you say, Oh, I'm here for the combine. And they say, Oh, like, what team do you cover? And you say, The Patriots. And they say, Fuck you, get out of my car. You know, so <laughs> I, 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 I think there is some element to them selling Tom Brady to their fan base in a stadium that has a statue of Peyton Manning sitting right outside of it. You know, I I think that as crazy as that sounds, and and as short-sighted as that sounds, there is an element, I think, of it that they were worried about how it was going to be perceived that they got Peyton's rival to lead them to another Super Bowl. Now, I'm sure it all would have been forgotten if they got to a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. But at the same time, I I think there is an element to that. I'm telling you, everybody you talk to in Indy when you go for the combine, as soon as you tell them that you are Patriots writer, they have nothing to say to you.
1: Nothing, (laughs) nothing. They will drop you off at the wrong place. They will, they will, oh my God. Oh my god, I I I don't get it. One uh, one other move that that they did make that that just you know I fell out of my seat. Why did they trade for DeForest Buckner and his giant fucking contract? Why did that happen?
2: You yeah, know he's a good player. He's a really good player and a but very for dis- the thirteenth overall pick. I know, but he's a very disruptive player and a player that. Yeah, maybe he doesn't like rack up the sack totals, but you can see it when you watch the film just how important of a piece he was for that Niners front. At the same yep. time, I think they, the, they look at the landscape of the league and they look at the quarterbacks that they're going to have to go through to hopefully get to the super bowl and pass rush is going to be a big thing. And you look ahead to the draft and okay. both of you guys have looked ahead to the draft a little bit. It is a bad defensive line class. It is. It's a bad it it's class. A there is plan. not a lot of talent on that defensive line class. And at 13, you are not going to get a player better than DeForest Buckner in this group. So I think no, that that's not, a big part not of that it. position. Right, so not I think at that, that
1: position, but you look at Lamar, when you're when you you're, look you're looking Pattenham, when you're looking for your next quarterback, and it's obvious that it's not Philip Rivers, since you just gave him a one year deal, it, that, that's a pick that I could use to move up and get that guy.
2: That's uh, if that's you're not happy with Jacoby
1: Brissett, and that's what that's right. what has me. And plus, uh, on top of it, the money that that Buckner is making right now, well, I'm not sure, if he, but it it's not
0: two years, you know, twenty seven.
1: Oh, that's it. Yep, 27 per or two 27 years. 20. total
0: yeah uh, I, I believe uh, it's two years 27 total
1: okay and he's gonna and he's gonna walk at the end of that unless they're gonna you know re-up him for something else and it's still it's I, I, I don't get it I, I don't you, you see a team finally going in the right direction um finally has a coach that 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 gets it. Finally, has a GM that gets it, and then it just seems like Ursay came in, and you know, after a night out, a party, and said, "Sure, you know, even though I don't have a, I, oh, God, I, I should just sit back and enjoy it." I think the what one, the stability. one, spin,
2: the one positive spin for what the Colts did with Philip Rivers, though, is that that guy has never had a good, a great offensive line. Well, he did. He let yeah. Him he had a good offensive line in the beginning part of his career when Ladanian Tomlinson was still there, right? That team yep. was built like that, okay? But since then, in recent years, that's been a big weakness for them in, in L.A. with the Chargers now has been that offensive line. And Phillip Rivers' numbers when he's not protected, when he's under pressure, are terrible. He's, yep. Or at least recently, in the last couple of years since his skill set has sort of declined. The Colts are going to protect him. Right. They have a great yep. offensive line and they're gonna keep him upright. And if you look at his pressure, his non pressure numbers, his throws not under pressure, he is still a very viable quarterback. So I think that the fit in the in Phillip Rivers is going to perform well for them. But I think the biggest thing is what you said is that you don't have a quarterback of the future and you had a valuable pick in the thirteenth pick to go right. out and get that quarterback or even stay put and maybe have one of those guys like Jordan Love fall into your lap and you you trade it for DeForest Buckner, and and now that opportunity is gone. So that's definitely an interesting kind of wrinkle in this, is what were they thinking at the quarterback position? But in terms of the player, DeForest Buckner, I am a big fan.
1: There you go. I think um, Matt Jordan got franchise tagged another smart move by the – by the Ravens and, and that might've been a fit. And uh, there, there, there were some other guys out there. I just, I didn't see the logic in it. Not, not at the 13th pick. I could see if you're at the 25th pick or the 18th pick or, or, you know, wherever I just, I didn't see giving up, you know, an early teens pick for a pass rusher. I just, I, I don't get it. Cause it's, he's not going to, he's not going to stay unless they blow him out of the water with another and, and strap themselves with the cap again, which is what he does. Um, Evan, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, you know, we rescheduled this and and um to get a, a clearer view of of everything that was happening with Tom and with the Patriots and some other things came, came up and I I just want to say thank you so much. You always bring so much to the show. You're one of our favorite freaking guests to have on. Would you please tell everybody where they can follow you on social media, where they can check out your podcast and of course, you know, everything you do over there at CLNS?
2: Absolutely. I appreciate coming on all the time. I I'll, I you know you can call me whenever you want. I'm always Oh game, yeah. game to do a podcast oh, yeah. with you guys. You never guys. send me
1: the voicemail and I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no. I,
2: it's, it's definitely my favorite podcast to do with you guys. So we always have great uh great talks about football and stuff like that. So and sometimes life too, uh, not always football. Yeah. No, no. but uh he can find me on twitter at easy lazar l-a-z-a-r on twitter that's kind of my hub for everything that i write and all the videos and podcasts that we do patriots all 22 podcasts we just launched also patriots press pass our new youtube channel with all of our Patriots coverage is now going to be on that channel. So follow Patriots press pass on YouTube. We do daily videos. Me and Sierra Goodwill have been doing videos over the last couple of days with all the free. Sierra's great. We
1: got to get her on. Would you, would you put in a good word for me? She doesn't follow me on Twitter for some reason, probably because I'm, a giant green stalker looking guy <laughs> on Twitter, but you know, she doesn't follow me, So put a good word in for me.
2: <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah. You got, I'll definitely get her to come on with you guys. She, she's great. She, uh, she lets me nerd out about football and doesn't laugh at me too hard. So that that's always a good,
0: <laughs> always like a good Alex. thing.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Evan, thanks a- again. We really appreciate it. And folks, uh, Pay attention to what Er uh, Evans saying out there, uh, but don't get too used to seeing him around here because he's going places. He's going to be national before too long. You're going to be seeing him (laughs) on TV with guys like Giardi and uh, How and uh, you know, Rap Sheet. That's it. So uh, that's it. You know, we've been spoiled here by players, and we're getting spoiled by some good and great beat writers. And uh, you know, unfortunately, nothing is forever, but. We appreciate no, your isn't. time, man. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Let's do it again. Soon. Have you back
1: right Absolutely. after the draft or right before it if you if you can make the time, my buddy.
2: Of course, anytime. You just right, keep
1: saying it. this because I discovered it.
2: There's that modesty
1: of mine again. All right, that, but that, thanks that again. Murph and modesty. I'll talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: no. yeah you you oh. invented all of his football knowledge too you know yeah they will no i'm not going to take credit for
1: that i just recognized it when i saw it and he was living underneath oh, a bridge out in la been. working working for uh the nfl network down there in the bowels and he was living under a bridge oh bridge. Hey, so got, so make, you
0: part of it. you recognized his greatness so what the That's hell right. are you doing with me you know you're you're my
1: pity date you know you're it man
0: which is which is there
1: couldn't be anything further from the truth man. steve makes me look good every week guys like evan make me look
0: good every week i just ask good questions and they answer them guys go ahead steve take us out of here hey we want to thank everyone for listening thanks for everyone at wblz sports and also our friends over at fullpresscoverage.com uh, from myself, Steve Bous, Thomas Murphy, thanks again to Evan Lazar for joining us today, we're out of here folks and uh, hey, don't panic it's okay you know, everything goes remain through. calm, like- all's well <laughs> <laughs>